In a world where we are more connected than ever, human connection is in short supply. The world is a noisy, frenzied place and content has saturated our info-addled neural pathways. So let's get reconnected. Let's choose to add the experience of connection and change and to stand apart from the messy, the mediocre and the mayhem. Welcome to the Human Connection Experience podcast, where it's all about using content to create change and connection. Whether it's connecting your audience to your business, connecting your team with your organization, or creating content to connect to yourself, this is the place to be. Hi guys and welcome to episode 4 of the Human Connection Experience Podcast. It's me, your host Joe Gifford, back with a mini episode this time to pull together uh, some of the things we were talking about in the storytelling episode in episode 2 and also in episode 3 where I spoke about the importance of connecting to yourself. As you can probably hear, I still have the cold that was starting to emerge on episode three, so I apologise for my slightly huskier, uh, you know, delivery this time. I'm feeling a bit Stevie Nicks, so if only I could, you know, channel her, her energy <laughs> and magic in this episode, I'd be a happy, a happy person. Um, so we are very much all about the chai tea with ginger at the moment in my house. Um, and it's that tail end of winter where we're craving vitamin D in the UK here and uh, hanging on for spring. So thank you for bearing with me with this huskier podcast episode. So as I said, in this short episode, I want to tie together um, a couple of the things we'll be talking about. And I first of all want to shout out um, Maria, uh, one of my listeners, and we've also you know worked together in the past. And she left this this comment on the Human Experience Podcast, um, on the Human Connection Experience Podcast, uh, a Facebook page, and also on the um, Apple Review. And she said, uh, "I've just listened to episode two whilst dipping in and out of work. I love Joe that you describe how you started with story." telling and how we can all use our own stories. I've struggled with this for years and suddenly realised I haven't actually tried to tell stories, never really. I deliver coaching and training to a lot of groups and sometimes I do play with the content depending on the group, but to allow myself freedom to share a story, not for the ego, but ensuring the thinking behind it is the right motivation is so helpful or useful for that particular group and that would be amazing. I'll start the daily journal and see where it goes. Thank you. Thank you, Maria, for sharing that with us. And that's so true. Storytelling, we often think it is about an ego thing, that we're, it's all about us. Um, whereas actually used in context to illustrate a point or to deliver some information, stories are hugely impactful. And I want to read you two stories which I wrote on social media this week um, that had a, you know, a great deal of impact to the people who read them. And I want to break down for you uh, exactly how they connected with people, um, how you can access your your own memories for stories that connect, that, that you can use in content, and how I use some creative thinking techniques to access old memories. So let's dive on in. So here's the first story that I wrote. In 1994, 
I packed up my Fleur Dentity, Rimmel drop of sherry, a suitcase full of long skirts and converse and went to Paris for a fortnight. It was the year before my French A-levels and our French assistant at school, Lila, had kindly offered to host me for two weeks to stay with her family and immerse myself in the language. By day, I would roam the city, walking barefoot in the Louvre. My sandals had rubbed my feet too much from exploring, drinking coffee in backstreet bookshops and hanging out with the sister of my lovely host who adopted me for the fortnight and wouldn't let me speak English even when I struggled although evenings in an Irish pub let me cheat just a little. One day, I called my dad. I told him I was having a great time. I was in the part of town that seemed really quiet that day. Joe, it's the Tour de France today. How did you miss that? For my dad, you know, the tour was central to his the summers. For me to be in Paris, oblivious to what seemed to him to be the most important thing in the world was just beyond belief. But I was a teenager with Paris to explore, love letters to write and an Irish pub to get to. Plus, I've always gone my own way, unboxed. Aside from where the cool kids or the crowd are also hanging out, it's part of me that I love and that creative Parisian version of me is in everything I do, blissfully unaware of the crowd and doing my own thing. 1994 Joe grew up to be 2020 Joe, still doing my own thing and still meandering those interesting streets away from the crowd. I will still always explore the unconnected streets and the eclectic hidden gems instead of the mainstream, but I can't hold my Guinness like I used to. And then I added to the end of that story that storytelling is a strong muscle to train to keep your human connection on the go. And people commented with this story saying, oh my goodness, you know, I could really picture you walking barefoot around the Louvre and meandering those back streets of Paris. And it's the little things in stories that help to build a picture of someone's personality. Because when we work with people or we collaborate with them or we're building some rapport with them on a team, you know, we want to be able to know that person um, a little bit, to know if, if they are our kind of person. And in that story, you heard me being this kind of introverted, um, away from the crowd, you know, creative person. And people will either resonate with that or not. And, you know, if you do resonate with that, that is quite a strong resonance. It's quite a strong relatability. And the way that we can convey that part of us and our values and our personality much stronger is through storytelling rather than me saying, hey, my name is Joe, my values are, <laughs> etc., etc." And if I, if I tell you or illustrate it in some way, then you can picture me walking barefoot through Paris, <laughs> well, through the Louvre. My feet really hurt that day. I'd walked a long way. Um, and it's a much stronger way for you to connect with me rather than me just listing out my, um, you know, my kind of attributes and, and values. And this isn't the kind of thing you'd use on a sales page. This isn't the kind of thing you'd necessarily use um, often, but to have this toolkit um, at your disposal to know how to tell stories and to pull out those details is a really helpful thing. So it might be that we use a, sh- a short snippet of a story perhaps in a presentation or on a webinar or in an email or a blog post or, you know, there's lots of different situations that we might use a story and it could be much shorter than my ones I'm sharing. But these ones on social media really resonated with people. Um, 
And it's the details like my Fleur d'Antity. This was a perfume that was around in the 90s. And honestly, I'd forgotten about it until I was revisiting 1994 version of me in my brain. Um, and the Rimmel Drop of Sherry, uh, you know, most 90s girls will recall wearing that shade. It was really popular. And uh, it's those things that on a subconscious level help us to hook into what we already know, like I spoke about in episode one and two. It can activate the schemata. It relates back into what we already know about the world and our own experiences of it. I'm going to read you the second story that I shared on social media this week. I ran to catch the bus at the top of Grove Road. The 276 was notoriously rare from Mile End through to Vicky Park Village. Although I often walked home, it had been a long day and I was grateful for the shortcut. The bottle of Merlot in my shopping bag clinked with a promise as I ran towards the bus stop. The queue for the 276 was dwindling as everyone boarded and I upped my speed to get my seat. I tripped over a pavement slab in my hurry. My plastic bag from the Mile End Budgeons caught me as I skidded, palms down on the pavement, my knees gliding over the shards of the smashed Merlot as I flew across the pavement. The bus waited, doors open, a full complement of passengers inside, all of whom had witnessed my fall with that silent observation of London commuters. Shaking, I stepped up to the driver and flashed my, my Oyster card on the reader. Shards of glass in my hands, my knees and my legs, and a pungent aroma of wine. I thanked them for waiting and said, I think I dropped my call out there. There's still a patch of Grove Road tarmac under the skin of my left knee, a reminder of my glamorous arrival to the 276. You don't need to have a radical's hero journey story, a dramatic life history, or a controversial origin story to paint a picture. We all have stories from life that illustrate who we are and where we have been, even if it's on the road in the East End. You can set the scene to illustrate complex information, scenarios and ideas with situations you have already experienced. And I finished off that story by saying, did this spark an idea for you? Let me know. Um, and you can imagine I could have used that story to talk about, um, you know, making it a fool of yourself and recovering from it. Um, something around confidence. I could have talked about a number of things using that particular <laughs> embarrassing and cringy illustration. Most of my stories that I share with you guys tend to be quite embarrassing, don't they? Um, but you know, the way that I did use it was to say, guys, you don't need to have a super dramatic hero's journey. That was a simple story of essentially me falling over onto my smashed bottle of wine on the road in the East End. Uh, a moment in time that meant nothing, but it just, you know, I used it to show that, you know, you don't have to have these incredible transformational life stories. And I think that that can often hold us back but, you know, particularly for people who are operating mainly um, in the online space where we see stories used all the time to great dramatic effect. Um, it doesn't have to be that dramatic. You're just using this tool to connect people to you and to your work and to your personality. And learning to rediscover stories is actually a really useful creative thinking technique and it's a great habit to flex. Um, you know, perhaps when you're journaling or just on a regular basis to spin the story wheel, really, and to invite yourself to revisit areas of your life, both, you know, for your own personal fun and to get used to this idea of revisiting stories. And this is how I do it. If I'm 
feeling inspired to write a post that will really connect with people that will get people commenting and um, incidentally these posts I posted them both this week on Instagram and on my Facebook page or my personal Facebook page and they really blew up with comments because people saw themselves in in those situations they were you know, they were the Paris story there was lots of comments around I could just see you there like I really want to go to Paris or I've been to Paris or or they had that kind of experience themselves in their teenage years um you know, for me falling down before the bus one, there's lots of comments around that, like, ouch, that must have really hurt. And uh, people react to these things. And I also used, you know, used images with them. Um, you know, I'll put those links in the show notes to the episode so you can see on my Instagram how I used images there. Um, and people connect both with the image and the story. And we'll be, you know, talking more about the psychology behind which images we choose and, and the colours we choose and that sort of stuff. Um, but here's how I start to revisit my story archive in my brain. And you could sit and use it with a journal, with a sketchbook, or just with your own computer. And I, I start off by choosing a decade from my life. Now, I was born in, in, in 1976. Um, I know I look so young, uh, so I I you know I literally start with okay do I choose the seventies eighties nineties noughties teens, and and I choose a decade, I then you know literally um, at random and I choose a year, and I then hone in on that year and start to think about what was I doing in that year what was happening what kind of clothes was I wearing where was I living was I working was I at school you know what was happening in my life at that time and I start to reintegrate myself with that version of me um and pretty soon you know you start to imagine yourself walking around life as it was in that particular era um and it's the details that really help me to you know to unpack a story um and obviously lots of things will happen to you in your life in in any particular year but if you start to just find the edge of a story. It's like, you know, when you pick off a label and you've kind of got the edge of it and you're just starting to pull. That's what it feels like in my brain when you start to unpack a story. Um, And you're starting to revisit a part of your life and your brain will then find you pieces of information that relate to that. So you could think about, and, and this is part of the creative thinking process. When you start to go back into your memories and make connections again in your brain you have lots of things stored in there that you that you will sort of soon you know rediscover so you could start with perhaps a car that you drove in that particular year then you could think about okay what road trips did I go on um who was I with in that car you know where did we visit um and you might find there's one particular day or a moment that starts to speak to you and you go right okay so what happened next and when you embellish the details with it, you um, you know you can really start to flesh out things that happen there. And uh, I wrote another post actually that was about um, me in 1987 this week, and I'm going to share that one with you because lots of people too related with this. And um, this actually started with a throwback Thursday, you know, post. Um, I love on Thursdays going back through my archive of pictures which is also a really great way to you know, jumpstart your memories is to go back through some photo albums or your hard drives or USB sticks and if you're anything like me I've got kind of everything up until 
mm, probably the you know, late 90s is in boxes of photos everything from the noughties up until probably about 2005 or, or six is on kind of cds and hard drives and then from there it's all on cloud and we, we we tend to have everything divided in whatever was the storage of the day don't we but in this story you'll hear how I literally kind of walked around my bedroom and saw it as I saw it in that particular year. Here we go. So it's 1987. My bedroom is a haze of harmony, hairspray and impulse. The walls are covered with Corey Haim and Corey Feldman and Rob Lowe. I am playing the tape I recorded from the Sunday chart countdown from the radio and to pow is number one. On my desk is a diary. It's covered in, a, in an apple printed laminate with Diet Coke ads from the Smash Hits magazine on the inners, the epitome of American cool to me at least. The diary contained the important things. Which boys I was besotted with, you know, which, which friends were my besties, how many spots I had that day. Somewhere stashed between the green inked pages, cartridges from WH Smith's came in the most magical colours, was a chart from my GP intended to help me track my emotions and moods as a lifetime of hormones jumped into action. Smiley faces for happy days, sad faces for the preteen emotional roller coaster. As Millie Vanilli would be my witness, staring down from the carefully blue tacked centrefold poster, my bedroom was a sanctuary. I hadn't figured out yet I am an introvert. That came many years later. I just knew that being in my own space with music, my diary and the brat pack for company was helping me to process those big thoughts and even bigger emotions that take the reins at 11. My diary was not only my companion to make sense of the world. My little tape deck, my partner in crime for recording the charts and hitting the play record buttons at the same time, also became a way for me to create little radio shows. Sat on my bedroom floor, I would spend hours sharing sharing with a C90 tape stories, songs and my take on the world. Sometimes with a friend, sometimes solo, my radio shows became a go-to output for downloading and processing the thoughts of 1987 me. I still do the same, but these days it's with with a MacBook and a blue microphone, and with the Smash Hits lyrics are no longer leaving blue tack stained oily patches on magnolia walls. Processing is powerful, whether it's a diary, a radio show, a drawing, a video. In the doing, we unravel and make sense of the world around us. My 1987 diary shows a snapshot of me before the 90s swept me into truly coming of age. Everything we output and create is a documentation of where we are at that point in development and it all has value. It all evolves. However you document your own thoughts and make sense of the world, create that all important space. Whether it's on your bedroom floor with a tape deck or in a coffee shop with a journal, distilling and processing has impact. From tape deck to podcast, my journey has evolved and yours will have too. What I now know about creating content that affects change is so much more than just pressing record on an Alba tape deck and a BASF C90. And as for stories, they connect us. Maybe you remember recording the charts from the radio. Maybe you had those oily patches on the wall from blue tacking your song lyrics. Or maybe you and a diary, maybe you had a diary and covered it with adverts and a laminate. We remember things that we emotionally connect with as part of the human connection experience. Try it for yourself. 
pick a decade and put yourself into what you were, uh, into who you were and what you were doing then and see what your brain brings to light. See how you can share a story that links to who you are now and what you have learned. The more you do it, the easier it becomes. In this little story, you learned that I am an introvert. I have been creating content for a long time and that I believe stories connect people and that music and imagery is important to me. When we blow up the blueprints and templates and share stuff in a way that's far more personal, we can truly connect. So, from 1987, Joe and me, happy storytelling and pass the Diet Coke. P.S. The Spectrum was, was the first computer I would spend hours coding. GIF. And I mentioned the Spectrum there because I, I used a GIF to illustrate that post of, of a Spectrum. Um, and that, that kind of um, animated GIF, along with the story, pulled a lot of people in. And um, a lot of people for this one were commenting on, um, oh, you know, they, they remember recording the charts from the radio and the you know, particular art of pressing, you know, play, sort of play record at the same time. And they had like smash hits lyrics on the walls. So for people who are my audience who are kids from the 80s like me, that post pulled them in. And then I, I, I invited people to, you know, consider what it is about that post that pulled them in. Now these were quite long, these were on social media, and um, as I said, you know, you don't have to use really long storytelling examples, but if you combine what we talked about in episode two and also here with storytelling and in episode three with creating space for yourself, I would invite you to use my creative thinking roulette approach for digging into your it's your own memories. Either sort of pick a decade in your mind and then pick a year or use something like a trigger from your childhood. Maybe it's a toy or a book or a photograph and see where that story takes you and then see how you can illustrate a point about your daily work or about your personality or about who you are and what you do with your audience. And if you do share stories on social this week, please do tag me um, at the Joe Gifford on Twitter, on Instagram. Or you can tag me, uh, you know, the Human Connection Experience uh, podcast with Joe Gifford on Facebook. You'll find me over there, or send me an email, Joe at JoeGifford.co, um, you know, with a link to your story that you shared. And I'd love to hear how you how you progress with storytelling this week. If you try it out, you know, you guys are as much a part of the conversation of this podcast as I am, and I really want this to be a two way conversation between us, with you trying things out that I share. Um, and discovering these new ways to connect with yourself and with your past and with the body of work that you do. Um, and it's a process of discovery. It really is about experimenting and trying things out because it's those details, you know, that really connect us, that, uh, you know, bring something to life in the minds of people who are listening or reading or engaging with us. And it's such an exciting part of content creation, I think, when you can think about something creatively that you know is, is going to really anchor with your audience. And as we're going to be talking about soon on, on a future episode, using FUD, using fear, uncertainty and doubt is not the only way to motivate people to create change. Um, and I happen to think there's so many other ways we can create behavior change and connection through our content by designing content around different things and, and by knowing how we can create, you know, connection triggers and stories are just one of them. 
Thank you so much for being here. I'm so grateful for you being um, a listener of this podcast. And if you have found this episode useful, then please do just tell someone about it. And even better, if you have two minutes, if you could um, share a review on iTunes, it would mean so much to me because that helps other people to discover the podcast too. Have an amazing week. Hopefully next time we speak, I will be less uh, snuffly for you. (laughs) And I'll speak to you guys soon. Bye. Dear Changemakers, the world and I crave connection with you, your ideas and your genius. My heart is full of pride for the lovingly disruptive work you are already doing in the world. Your unboxed impact is starting to shine. I save my widest grin and my biggest hugs for the moments when you see your impact and take hold. I don't want for you to stay stuck with how to share your genius and your magic on a regular basis. Maybe you have short bursts of time when you are on fire with all the things and then it all feels like hard work, too much, and the flow stops again. I get it, truly. You have a totally unique way of processing your thoughts and I want to discover it all with you. I want to help you create the space you need to do the biggest part of your work, the thinking, the being, the unis, and letting the doing start to take care of itself. We play where strategy meets flow and where we find the line, your own personal line between push and pull, knowing and sharing, doing and allowing. You already have a lifetime of stories your future peeps need to hear. You are standing on a mountain of expertise that you already have that will help people right now. I see your brilliance. When those ideas arrive, I will help you give them their shape. When you are stuck, overwhelmed, and the details feel big, I will help you refine momentum. The world needs your voice. We need your work to be seen and your thoughts to be heard. You are ready to create change, to create your connected legacy. Let's press play together. This is your invitation to make your voice heard and to help your work create the change you came here to do. If this invitation is for you, you will know. Message me, just reach out and raise your hand. Right now, I am cooking up a space to create change and connection. If it's right for you, I'll send you a personal invitation to join me as we start. I see you, it's time the world does too. Email me at joe at joegifford.co to raise your hand.